Are you guys ready? Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, joined by Rochelle Smith, the producer of this podcast, and Lauren Merkel. He is a certified financial fiduciary, a certified financial planner, and an expert game player. And what? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, an expert. I'm, I'm just going to call him that today. Okay. He's also really good at helping people retire, but we'll get to that in just a minute. The concept of today's show is the game of life. You know, the popular board game. It's actually one of the best-selling board games of all times. Now, you're in the middle of your game of life, whatever your phase is. The game of life we talk about around here focuses on retirement, how to get to and through retirement, how to make your retirement visions a retirement reality. So we're going to parallel the two today. Just hang on. You'll see how it all comes together. But to set it up, we have to talk about board games just for a few minutes. Rochelle, your favorite board game. It's called Payday. You have. <laughs> I've never this, heard of it. <laughs> this is what I like to play as a child, and I still like to play it to this day. Clarence absolutely hates it because every single time I win, and that's <laughs> why he your hates husband it. Who does not like to lose? All right. Okay, so it's one month, and then you have like bills, and you have things that you can invest in, and then at the end of the month, you have to basically settle up. And Clarence always buys too much. <laughs> takes too many loans from the bank and then he like ends up losing because of it so it's it's sounds like clarence might need a financial advisor (laughs) and then a retirement planner in in about 20 years but it's great it's great i diversify my portfolio yes good that's how i do it jace jace loves that game so she got me onto that game probably six months ago six eight months ago i don't necessarily like it all that much but she loves it she loves it fantastic what board game do and she, you like? she doesn't want to go two months she wants to go as long as we can possibly go so oh, oh yeah fun four I do, months five months i she do just at least going. six months at yeah. a time oh, yeah. never heard of this game you speak mm-hmm. of what do you like to play lord um my go-to is solar quest so solar quest Again, is, i've never played this game <laughs> it's, it's a game i grew up with uh four of us kids would play solar quest and uh, it's a lot like Monopoly, so oh. except for except for having Boardwalk and Park Place, you have a solar system. So it's a solar system, and then you have planets, and you have planets around planets, uh, and you can shoot people. So <laughs> oh well, you, okay. Now within, I'm seeing the appeal for you. <laughs> yeah, if you're within one space, then you can roll the dice, and if you get double sixes, then they're out of the game. If you get doubles, then they pay you the amount of the double. So if you get double fours, they pay you eight hundred dollars. So it has has a, has a twist to it, but. Solar Quest. And, and I tell you what, is how I learned the planets growing up. The planets and the different solar systems and different planet within the solar system. So it's educational. Oh, as well. good. I'm yes. so glad. Uh, yes. So That's I'd go helped to, you a lot. So I'd go to school and talk about Jupiter and all the moons around Jupiter and nobody good. knew what I was talking about. Good. Make mm. you, made you look smart. Yes. Um, the games I like, guys, have nothing to do with numbers, counting, <laughs> money, uh, board, actual. I don't like a board. Uh, here's what I like I love charades, Pictionary games with words so i am in for categories all day any day <laughs> dirty deeds done dirt cheap a song that starts with d that'll get you a lot of points that's the kind of stuff i like to play of course now the people i'm surrounded by like monopoly settlers of Catan, oh. Catan, whatever that Catan. i finally good. after many years of marriage and watching them play i decided to get join in it's fine it works it's, it's okay great. I want to talk and I want to chat and I want my game to be social socialization. Mm-hmm. None of this counting yeah. money crap. <laughs> 
Go figure. You can, you can learn a lot about one's personality by the type of game they yeah, like. Yeah, to play. you really can. Uh-huh. That's true. They, they do parallel our personalities. And a game that parallels kind of life is the game of life, aptly named the game of life. The Game of Life was created in 1860 by Milton Bradley. You know, it parallels life, of course, a lot of ways. You can choose college or business early in the game. There's marriage. There's children. You can either end up in the poor farm or in millionaire acres. Um, the, the goal, though, is to get to happy old age. And that's, Lauren, where this thing really hits home for the people that you talk to, the families you sit down with every day. They, they aren't saying to you, we want to get to happy old age, but that's what they want. Yeah, because when, you know, instead of saying happy old age, they're saying retirement, which is a time frame in which they don't have to work. Basically, they get to do what they want to do on their own time. And for a lot of people, that is a happy old age. So the point of the game of life is to end up with the most money at the end. And again, something you sit down and talk about with pre-retirees and retirees all the time. Yeah, and, and you see articles about this too, where the the new million is three million. How much money do you need to have in retirement? And it seems like it's a big competition. And one of the questions I get, which I think, which I, which I don't necessarily like, but I think it's a natural human reaction, especially based on all the the media that we're bombarded with, is how do I compare? How do I compare versus your average client, or how do I compare versus the average retiree? And I really try to stress it's not important about what your neighbors have. It's not important about what your siblings have. It might be a competition internally with you, but when we talk about your retirement, we talk about what are the things that are important to you. And that has nothing to do with what's important to your neighbor or what's important to uh, somebody on the other side of town. How much money do you need to do the things that you want to do? How much money do you need to live the lifestyle and, and create the retirement vision that is really important to you? And if you have that amount of money, that's what's important. And as you do age, uh, you start to realize what truly is important. And as you make that transition from the working years to the retirement years, you have more time to reflect. You have more time to spend with your loved ones. And I think it becomes abundantly apparent to most people that what's important is you can do the things that you want to do. You have enough resources to do the things you want to do and you can do it with confidence. So it lessens the anxiety of making that transition from this, this chaotic working phase of your life to maybe more of a tranquil, peaceful, uh, retirement timeframe of your life where you have time to do what it is that you want to do. And now it's a matter of how do you organize your resources to help facilitate your retirement vision. The version of the game of life that we're going to sort of play on the podcast today. Imagine it being a board game with a bunch of numbers, and we're going to make stops at many of these milestones that you hit along the way in retirement. So we're going to talk about a game of life that that starts at 50 and ends uh, maybe to age 100, planning for age 100. I know is what you talk about a lot with people, Lauren. So let's start at age 50. You've, you're moving your game piece. It's actually now a little what car with your family in it. You're moving your game piece along. You stop first at age 50. It's a milestone. Why? You know, before we get into that, this has been on my mind. So let's, uh, let's oh talk about, oh, curveball. Oh let's talk about how the game of life doesn't parallel real life. You oh, met, you, okay. You mentioned the car with the family in it. You get to the end of the game. How much money do you get to turn your kids in for? Do you remember? No. $50, $200. You get when to you, turn you, your kids in for money? When you get to the end of the game. You get to take your kids out of the car and the bank will give you money for your kids. I wish it worked that way. So your kids actually add to your overall net worth and your ability to win the game. 
that's not true. That's not really a parallel with real life. <laughs> Kids actually cost you money. Uh, a lot. <laughs> so, so I remember going through the game of life, wanting to collect as many kids this week as I could <laughs> so I could turn them in for money at the end of the game. You were so naive uh, back then at age 10. Yes. And then I grew up and I realized kids cost a lot of money. I have one kid. <laughs> I've got four. Man, I'd be really... It would be a great payday for me if yes. I could turn them in for money. Yes. Now in the real real life we don't want to turn our kids in for money of course, of course not never no. so but did you find it Rochelle yeah it's five thousand dollars five thousand dollars per kid per kid oh sign me that's, up that's maybe that's i'll inflation. have a few more <laughs> <laughs> yeah so at age 50 though a lot of people do still have kids at home i know i will and but they're still probably kind of starting to think about retirement. So just think of, you know, that's kind of a difficult uh, financial uh, space to be in. I've still got kids. I'm thinking maybe college for those children, maybe weddings, maybe helping them with a the down payment on the home. Oh, wait a second. I also want to retire in maybe 12 or 15 or 20 years. How am I going to make all this work? Yeah. And that's that's the benefit of age 50 um, is you get catch up contributions. So you're going and a lot of people don't really start thinking about their retirement till mid 40s, maybe even late 40s. And then they get to 50 and they realize, wow, I may not have enough because this retirement thing is the next decade. A lot of people think in decades. So you, when you're 30, you're thinking about what are you going to accomplish in, in the decade of your 30s. When you're 40, you're thinking about what are you going to accomplish in the decade of your 40s. And then you're 50 and you're saying this next decade is going to bring my retirement. What am I going to live on? Because I don't have what I think is enough. And so that's the benefit of, of the catch-up contributions with your 401k plan. If you're 50 or older, you can contribute an extra $6,500 per year to your 401k plan, totaling $26,000. So this is, I mentioned the 401k plan, but that goes for most employer plans, the TSP, the 403b plan. All of these have that $6,500 catch-up contribution. And then your IRA, if you're eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA or a tax deductible IRA, the catch up is $1,000 if you're 50 or older. So instead of contributing just $6,000, you have the ability to contribute $7,000. So if you look at that ability overall, that's $33,000 per year, really for that next decade or so while you're working that you can contribute to your retirement plans on either a tax free or tax deferred basis that can add up in a hurry and help accelerate your retirement readiness, whether it's 62 or 65 or whenever you want to retire. Okay. Imagine us moving along on the game of life. I'm Art Linkletter. Art Linkletter was like this broadcaster back in the 60s who endorsed <laughs> the game of life. <laughs> and Lauren so we can and I, we can tell who read about the game of life. Yeah. Well, I Lauren have actually I. heard of Art Linkletter because, you know, I like studied journalism many moons ago and I was doing my Art Linkletter. So, here we go. We move along the game of life and now we're stopping at age 55. Age 55 is one of the hidden gems along this timeline that we're going through. So age 55, if you separate service in the calendar year that you obtain age 55 and you're not 59 and a half, you can take a distribution or distributions from your employer plan, the 401ks, the TSPs, the 403b plans, and not have to pay the 10% early withdrawal penalty. So this can be an important strategically uh, or a strategically important planning decision. If you retire or separate service from your employer in the calendar year, you obtain 55 or you're or older 
underneath the age of 59 and a half, you might choose to leave all of or a piece of your money underneath that employer plan. Because if you need to gain access to a piece or all of that money, you can take it out with that 10% penalty. If you shift it to an IRA and then you withdraw it prior to the age of 59 and a half, it costs you an extra 10% on top of the tax bill that you already have to pay that is already feels ugly. So that you build that into your strategy if you fall within those parameters. It's just a lot of people have not heard of the age 55 rule. I'm going to go back. You said taxes and you said Roth, and it reminded me of a conversation that I had recently about taxes. And you've said it many times that the majority of a lot of people's retirement savings has not yet been taxed yet. So they're going to get taxed uh, when they start using it as retirement income. If you're 50, 55, you're somewhere, you know, in, in along the stops that we're talking about right now, and you haven't started any Roth investing at all, and you go to look at your 401k and there isn't a Roth option, what would you recommend that people do? Well, I would, the, I would take advantage of the 401k plan for what it's designed for. And the benefit of the 401k plan is you do have the higher contributory limits. We went over that. You can contribute $26,000 per year as opposed to $7,000 underneath the IRA. So it's designed for new contributions. Uh, the other benefit of the employer plan is many times that employer will offer a match. So that's free money. So take advantage of that free money because it will help you on your mission to accumulate more for retirement as well. But one of the things you can look at is contribute up to the amount the employer matches. So if they match 100% of your first 6%, put 6% in, get that free money. And then you, you, if you can contribute more, then contribute to your Roth IRA if it makes sense for you from a tax standpoint, because then you can take advantage of the tax-free growth opportunity of the Roth IRA. So that's 7,000 you can put away to the Roth. It's 6% of whatever or whatever is up to the employer match. And then if you still have the capacity to contribute more, go back to your 401k plan and contribute more in excess to the amount that your employer matches. And then that way, it's kind of a layered effect where you're taking advantage of what these different plans are designed for. The IRA, if you, if you don't have a Roth capability with your 401k plan, then you can still take advantage of it, assuming you meet the income guidelines uh, with, through the Roth IRA. Yeah, the person I was talking to, to is is now 70, but said if I had advice to give to somebody that was, you know, 20, 50, I would say put as much in the Roth, again, umbrella as you can, because that was something that this person learned about too late and wish that they had more money in, in Roth. Yeah, many of the people, many of the families we're working with now, they didn't have a lifetime to contribute to the Roth because it only started in 1998. And back in 1998, not a lot of people were saying, hey, contribute to this after-tax program. Uh, at that point, everybody was saying, don't pay taxes on money now because you don't have to. And in retirement, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And unfortunately, that's not the case we find many families in. And that's the importance of engaging in tax tax planning right now because we feel like taxes are on sale and we feel like taxes are probably going to increase in the future. So any type of tax diversification that we can create right now, whether it's through contributions to the Roth IRA or Roth 401k plan, or even Roth conversions can be incredibly powerful for you once you do get to that retirement time frame. Is it worth going to HR or your plan administrator and asking to add the Roth piece into the 401k if you don't have one at your company? 
Yes, and what I think you're going to find is the smaller your employer's size, the more impact you're going to be able to have on that decision. Larger employers, most of them already have the Roth 401k plan, uh, or if they don't, it's already on their docket to uh, add to their 401k plan offering. So the smaller employer, if you can go to the HR or even to the business owner, I think it'll be very well received, uh, and it'll offer you the ability then to create or increase your tax diversification, taking advantage of the higher contributory limits that the 401k plan retirement shell offers you. Does this payday game you people play have a, the Roth? We maybe no. should get no, no. Sure it okay, not. we should get to the payday. Uh, people. The people that make payday, Milton Bradley. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, Milton, let's get this together. Add the Roth. <laughs> We've only been chatting for about 15 minutes and Lauren's already given us some great information about how to boost your retirement savings through your 401k, but maybe you don't have a 401k. Maybe you have a government plan or you're working on other strategies to boost your retirement savings. What if you got to talk directly to a retirement planner about your specific retirement situation? Here is a great opportunity. It's a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call. Go to MerkelPlan.com, M-E-R-K-L-E, Plan.com, and you can get on the calendar of the retirement planners here at Merkel Retirement Planning and schedule your 15-minute retirement checkup call today. So back to the game of life, one of the most popular board games of all time. Everyone wants to get to be a millionaire tycoon at the end, so they have to make some stops along the way. The next stop on our board game, Lauren, age 62. It's a milestone. Why is that? Well, it's one of the most exciting ages for a lot of people because this age 62 is one of the first times that most people are eligible to start to get a return on their investment into Social Security. Yeah, Social Security, people don't have a choice to pay into. So people obtain age 62, most likely they've been paying into this pot of money for 40 years, and now they're 62. They have the ability to start taking money out of this pot if they choose to. The question is, should they? But it's nice to have that option. So now, with all the 81 different options that people may have, it's important to look through those different options and, and identify what is the best for them. And there's a lot of factors that go into when they should take their Social Security benefit, of course, their health status, their life expectancy, their cash flow requirements, what they're, what they're engaging in from a tax planning standpoint. All that stuff plus more will go into when they can take it. It's just nice at age 62 now they have the option if they want to. The next step on the board game. 63 and a half. This can be kind of exciting, especially if you're really thinking, you know what, I kind of want to retire sometime around age 63 because hopefully you can get some health care coverage. Yeah, prior to about 10 years ago, age 63 and a half didn't exist as a milestone age on our timeline. But due to the high cost of the open market health care, age 63 and a half is a stopping point, a milestone on our timeline because at age 63 and a half, you can retire. And then you're eligible for COBRA insurance for the next 18 months. Prior, and then that takes you to Medicare age, which you can then switch over to Medicare, which is an, a, typically a more affordable healthcare option. If you were to go out into the open healthcare market as a couple, you might be spending $2,500, $3,000 a month on your healthcare. And that is preventing a lot of people from retiring prior to age 65 and certainly prior to age 63 and a half. So if you have a good COBRA option, which is basically a continuing of your group employer plan, if you have a good option, then 
possibly you could retire at 63 and a half, go on to that for 18 months, afford that healthcare, and then make the transition to Medicare at 65. And when you say if you have a good option, are you saying if your current medical coverage under your employer is you like the plan that you're on? Yeah, what I'm saying is that if the type of coverage, the quality of coverage worked for you while you were working, uh, what COBRA is, is basically you're picking up the full cost of that healthcare coverage. Uh, you still get the group discount, so you get the benefit of being a part of that group coverage, but you're picking up the employer side of that cost as well. So if the quality of the coverage still works for you and the cost of the group discount works for you, then it is a really viable option to carry you to Medicare age. And is that is there a rule of thumb on that? Does it typically double from what you were paying maybe during the working years? Or how do you kind of it, gauge It's that? really all over the board because it's whatever the employer is subsidizing. And these employers can choose to subsidize as little or as, as much as they want to of the cost of insurance for you. So it's all over the board. Go to your HR. Uh, they will be able to tell you if you retire at 63 and a half, here's what your total cost for COBRA would be. And then you can make that a part of your pre-retirement or retirement plan. And is this pretty standard if you go to HR? Because I just imagine maybe if I was 63 and a half and I wasn't sure how common this was that you might feel... I don't know if you'd feel like a little guilty asking for medical care coverage, even though you're, you're entitled to it by law. COBRA was obviously is a law that, you know, lawmakers put into effect, but do you find that there's any kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, veil there or anything? Well, yeah. I mean, most people aren't expressing guilt because it really doesn't cost the employer anything else uh, to have you on COBRA. But one of the hesitancies that are expressed to me is they don't want to tip off their, to their employer that they might be thinking about retiring. And so there can be a dance there of how do I figure out what I'm going to pay for COBRA and not let the employer know. Uh, and so sometimes people will ask recent retirees, recent retirees, what was the cost of COBRA insurance? And then that gives you a pretty good gauge of what you'd be, uh, what you'd have to pay, what you'd be on the hook for if you did retire at 63 and a half. Next up on the game of life, as we work to happy old age, is age 65. I know what happens here, Rochelle, 65. You elect Medicare. It is a big deal for a mm -hmm. lot of people. This is, I think, Lauren, is this the date that a lot of people have circled on the calendar? Though some, we know, work longer, some retire sooner, but that's 65. This one gets a big, what, happy face, smiley face, star. <laughs> yeah, it does, because much like being eligible at, at 62 for Social Security, uh, being eligible for Medicare at 65 gives you another healthcare option. So it really becomes viable for many people at age 65. Not only are they getting ready, right? They're getting ready to retire and do something different than what they have been doing for 30 to 40 years. But now it seems more affordable to them to do that as well. So age 65 does get that big circle, gets a lot of attention. And it's uh, usually one of the scenarios that is a part of many people's retirement plan. What happens if I retire at 65? What does that cost me from a healthcare standpoint? Uh, what does that enable me to spend outside of all my, my monthly expenses for discretionary, right? The, all, what, what does it allow me to spend for my discretionary outside of all my monthly fixed expenses? And this is where uh, Anna Marie, our director of Medicare, really helps with our families is because she's able to dissect, go through all the different options of that are available through Medicare and identify based on the number of medications somebody's on, based on their health status, based on the different offerings for that particular year, here's what is going to be the best option or a handful of options for you to elect.
collect your Medicare and it coincides really nicely with all of the other planning components involved in the retirement plan. Yeah. And if you're really uh, zeroing in on this Medicare conversation, here's a good resource, go to YouTube and then go to Merkle retirement planning. And we have recently uploaded an episode that we did with Anna Marie Morrow there. And she is going to give you some great insight into some of these supplement plans. The, what is it? Medigap and advantage plan. She really gives great details on how to choose which one of those might be best for you. Yeah. You have original Medicare, which is Medicare part A, Medicare part B, and then it's all the alphabet, all the letters of the alphabet, right? The, or the, the, yeah, the A, the B's, the C's. Go ahead with that alphabet. He knows the planets, guys. He knows the planets. The alphabet was a little tricky. It's kind of like Merkel retirement planning. Sometimes I just get the Merkel part wrong. That's funny. What's your last name again? Merkel. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. Just for, for the listeners, I want to make sure they're putting all this together. Sometimes talking is really tough. It's really hard. Well, you have some more talking to do because we are not done with our game of life yet. We have not made it to happy old age or millionaire tycoon or whatever the end of this silly board game people play is. The next age that's important is 66 and 67. 66 and 67 is important from a social security standpoint because this is where most people today obtain their full retirement age, which means if if you were to take your social security prior to your full retirement age, you are taking or you're getting essentially penalized. There's an actuarial reduction that you are taking on that benefit. So as an example, if your full retirement age is 66, but you elect to take your social security at age 62, you're taking a 25% reduction on your benefit. So if your full retirement age benefit was $2,000 a month, but you elected at 62, that means you're going to receive $1,500 a month as opposed to the uh, $2,000 a month. So your full retirement age is important because that's when you get your full social security benefit. Also, if you don't take your benefit at full retirement age, then you get an 8% increase every year you wait up until age 70. So it's an important planning age from a standpoint, if you haven't taken it already, do you take it or do you take advantage of that 8% guaranteed increase on your lifetime income, especially in an environment where the pen, where the banks are paying us basically nothing? I mean, you have your money at the bank. You might be getting a quarter of a percent, half a percent. Maybe you find a special CD, you're getting one and a half. But 8% increase on guaranteed lifetime income can be a big deal and a big planning strategy for a lot of people. So age 66, stage 67, what your full retirement age is, is dependent upon your birthday. The game of life can last, obviously we know, until age 100 and beyond. But the last milestone that we really want to talk about today is 72 because guess what in 2021 rmds are back rmds are back after a preview of 2020 we have to start taking distributions from our pre-tax accounts the the 401k plans the iras and we can't skip them if we miss our required minimum distribution that is a 50 percent penalty. So it hurts. If your RMD is $10,000 and we don't take it out, you don't take it out. That's a $5,000 penalty. Plus you still have to take the $10,000 out and pay taxes on it. So we want to make sure that we build the required minimum distribution into your overall distribution plan. There's a lot of options you have with it, whether you reinvest it, 
whether you spend it or you use a qualified charitable distribution to give to a qualified charity and not pay taxes on that money, but still it's, it suffices for your required minimum distribution. So there's many strategies that you can use. You just need to be aware that 72 is the age now that we're mandated to take distributions, which is different because prior to January 1st of 2020, it was age 70 and a half. So it was age 70, half, 70 and a half for everybody. Now it's age 70 and a half for some folks, but it's age 72 for others. So you just need to identify what's the appropriate age for you and make sure you do not miss that mark or it can cost you a lot of money in penalties. The board game, the game of life, it stops when everyone is retired. You turn over your life tiles, the message side up, you add up the dollar amounts and the player with the most amount of money wins. Don't forget, turn in your kids. <laughs> can <laughs> I do that, that now? $5,000 per child. Uh, who, Why not? Anybody out there? I've got four lovely kids. <laughs> 20,000 bucks sounds great. Uh, for everybody listening, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. But the game of life, of course, the winner has the most amount of money. But that's kind of funny, Lauren, because you sit down with people and on a serious note, you really do talk about the end of life. I mean, the legacy piece is a part of retirement planning. And for some people, they want to spend that last dollar on the last day. Other people want to end the game of life by giving away lots of money. So they definitely end differently. We do spend some time talking about the legacy plan, and it, you're right. It is different for everybody. Somebody, Some people want to uh, bounce their last check on their last day. Some people have a really uh, identifiable legacy ambition. But regardless of which camp you're in, almost everybody I talk to wants to make sure whatever is left over when their last day does happen goes in the most efficient way to their loved ones and their charities as possible. And that's where the legacy plan is really beneficial to make sure whatever's left whenever it is that you go, is going to help fulfill what it, whatever your legacy ambitions are. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have a living legacy ambition. Right? They want to give while they're alive. Uh, and that needs to be spelled out because there are tax strategies that you can incorporate. Uh, there's hiccups or bumps in the road that we want to make sure that we avoid, uh, whether you're giving and living or your ambitions are to send things on after you're gone. If you would like to take some time to talk about your specific retirement situation, go to MerkelPlan.com. It's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. You can schedule a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call today. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast and stay with us. We'll continue to talk about the game of life, specifically the retirement game of life. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the Game of Life concept, here is a fun resource on our YouTube channel. We actually kind of play the Game of Life. We get out the real board game and Lauren draws, um, I'm just going to give like a tease to the kinds of cards that Lauren draws. One um, is about his forehead. (laughs) (laughs) One is about a goat. And his daughter, I think, keeps falling out of his car as he moves his gar- game pieces along. Or, or was that my kids that kept that was falling your out? Kids. Oh, okay, it was all my- ten of them. That yeah, she no, collected. <laughs> my kids kept falling out, kept falling out of the car as we were playing the game. But we had fun with the game of life, and we went into these milestones. And there's going to be some stuff um, in that YouTube resource that we didn't talk about today. So go ahead and go to Merkel Retirement Planning on YouTube, and you can look for the Game of Life episode there. Or you can continue to listen to this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. 
Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Our MDs are back. We got a reprieve. That's the word. Oh, for. big fancy words. Wait, did we skip age 70? We kind of did. He said it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you want to go back to seventy? I don't know. You got something you want to add? Nope, I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking basically, I just replicate what I already said. Yeah, so uh-huh. I thought, you know what? Yeah. Redundancy in a podcast is in IT. Suicide. It's awesome. In IT, redundancy is awesome. <laughs> redundancy in IT is awesome. Oh, okay. A podcast. We'll dive into that another time. Not now. <laughs> I'm very it. interested in we, that. We can do a podcast on it. Uh, oh, okay. IT? IT? Really? In redundancy. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Or we could talk about RMDs. <laughs> so what was I saying? 